yesterday, and I can honestly say God answered prayer. My prayer was, God, you can do whatever you want with the weather, but uh, my desire would be that you would give us a window of opportunity, and I can honestly tell you that I had my all my equipment back in the shed, everything was done, and 30 seconds later, those few raindrops that fell, they came, and it was like God said, I'm not going to give any rain today anyway, but I just want to let you know I answered your prayer, uh, and he did. Uh, Dave did a good job of presenting the gospel, and uh, we just thank you for praying in that direction. It's one of those uh, ministries that's probably unique, but um, well, we're just a little weird here anyway, so hey, no problem. Um, just uh, so, just continue praying. We have um, four, uh, four, three more this year, and uh, if you're interested in helping, we had good help also. We we thank you for that. A few weeks ago, I was um, asked a question: Did God really want to save the Gentiles? Is God interested in the Gentiles? In fact, is He sent Israel to wipe out whole nations of the Gentiles at times? Uh, did God send us to the Gentiles with, with the gospel because Israel rejected the Messiah, which they did do, by the way, and is that the only reason? Does God really care about anyone other than the Jewish people? Does he really care about the nations? Was Israel commanded by God to take the gospel to the nations? And the answer is Indeed, they were, and that's the subject of the, story, the sermon this morning. I was so glad. Uh, Joe sang about those of you that came in this morning and had something heavy on your heart. Christ is there. He wants you to come to Him. But the other songs that Will started out with, and did you notice, all of them had to do with the peoples and the nations and the whole earth. Well, that's my sermon this morning. Because not only is God interested in the thing that's got you down at this moment, something that's heavy on your life and on your mind and your emotions, but he's also interested in the whole world because he's not a God that's just simply interested in the small things or simply interested in the big things. He's interested in all things because he created it all. Today we're going to look at that, and you might say, who cares if God told the Israelites to do something and they didn't do it. Here's what I know from the scripture. God makes it clear that we still have the Old Testament while we are not living under the law. We still have the Old Testament. We still teach from it. We still preach from it because it was given for our instruction. We are to learn from it. And one of the things that I'm going to challenge you with today is that whether it's a tractor pull or whether it's your neighbor that you're witnessing to, or if it's supporting Jim as he goes to Nigeria and helps many, many, up to, I think, Jim's uh, generator uh, and uh, diesel repair ministry incorporates approximately 30 other mission agencies that he helps to make sure they have power to carry out the ministry God has given them. doesn't matter where it is. God is interested in people and wants us to reach out. So today, that's going to be the challenge. Uh, we're going to look at Psalm 117, and you can turn there, please, if you haven't already. And if you want to look ahead, we're going to also look at Psalm 96 um, extensively. Indeed, Israel is God's chosen nation. Indeed, they are the focus of both 
most of the Old Testament, as well as a good chunk of the New Testament. There's no doubt about that. They have been commanded by God. He has his eye on them. But ultimately, in Israel, the Messiah came forth. Obviously, we know the Christmas story. Jesus Christ, a Jew, took uh, God the Father uh, sent Jesus Christ to take on the body and the life of a Jewish person, an Israelite, a Hebrew. And he ultimately be, would be the one that would bring redemption to the world, salvation to the world. But in the meantime, God had commanded Israel itself to be a light to the nations, to take the gospel. There will be some verses that we look at that you go, they had to be from the New Testament. No, they aren't. They're from the Old Testament because God had told them they were to proclaim the good news of his salvation to the whole world. Israel is one of those things, in case you don't care anything about this, Israel is also a subject that we need to be aware of as Christians. God makes it clear those who curse Israel will be cursed. Those that bless Israel will be blessed. And we have a vested interest in the nation of Israel. Not that they're serving the Lord today, but they are still God's chosen people. God is not finished with them yet, and the church has not replaced Israel. There's a whole line of theology going through the church today that says, we're the new Israel. Israel is gone, we're now Israel. We've replaced Israel. That is not true. They have been set aside for a time. God is going to begin working in them full blast once again uh, in the future. So let's look at what it says in Psalm 117. God does indeed desire all nations to praise Him. It says this, Praise the Lord, all nations. Laud Him, all peoples. For His loving kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Shortest psalm, but it's a missionary psalm. It simply says God's desire from eternity past has been that all nations, not just His chosen nation, not just Christians in the church age, but all nations of all times would praise Him. They would laud Him. They would highly commend Him. Their focus would be on Him. That's what He has determined should be true and is true. How can they do that? We know, because we know the end of the story, no one can ultimately worship God, praise God, glorify God until they have had the deliverance, the salvation, the forgiveness of sins that comes through the Messiah. Without that good news of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, all the nations, all the peoples, all the Gentiles, all the barbarians cannot fully worship and praise and glorify God. From the Old Testament, we find out God is indeed interested in the whole world and their salvation. In fact, is the second verse here begins, for His loving kindness is great toward us. That's not only the Jewish people, but the whole world. The word loving kindness is a made-up word that incorporates the subjects of love and grace and mercy and kindness and compassion and loyalty and faithfulness and covenant faithfulness. 
In other words, God says what he means and means what he says, and he backs it up, and he does it in love, and he does it in grace, and he does it in mercy. He is kind to us. He cares about us. And that's his proclamation about the whole world. Not just one nation, not just one people, the whole world. And so we set the goal. But we still haven't answered, did he want Israel to do this? It would seem from this that that would be true. But it goes beyond that. We'll get to that in the second point. But I'd like to turn your attention just for a moment on Psalm 72, beginning in verse 11, where it says, Let all kings bow down before him. All nations serve him. And it it goes on to say that he will deliver the needy uh, when he cries for help and the afflicted also because he has no helper. He'll have compassion on the needy and the poor. Uh, Their blood is precious in his sight. God cares about human life. No ifs, ands, or buts. And then in Psalm 86, verse 9, it says, All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify thy name. God's desire, as we have seen, is for all nations to praise him, worship him, and to know his salvation. That's point one. But does God actually want or did God want the nation of Israel to bless all the nations? The answer is, yes, he did. In fact, as I, I use this, and this is very deceptive in one way, but you see the little circle over here in the middle, that's Israel. That red dot in the middle, if you can see it, is way too big to represent the nation of Israel. I couldn't get the my little thing in there to get it smaller than that. But even today, that's been eroded away even more than that. It is just the tiniest little speck of land in this whole world. And God said, I have chosen to affect the whole world by that little nation. And as you can see, it's so small. It's like Middletown to the United States. It just doesn't make a big difference. But it does. How does that work? Back in Genesis chapter 12, when God called the first Hebrew, Abraham, he said, I will make you a great nation. That's the nation of Israel. And I will bless you. That's blessing Abraham as well as the nation. And he says, your name will be great and you shall be a blessing. But then in verse 3 of Genesis chapter 12, it says this, and I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Notice what he told the first Jewish person, the first Hebrew. He said, all the nations will be blessed in you. Is he talking to Abraham himself? Is it talking about the nation? Is it talking about the one who would come from Abraham? The seed, singular, of Abraham. It's talking about all of them. Because God indeed has made it clear that that is what he is going to do. The fact is, in chapter 18, it goes on to to make it clear in verse 18. In him, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That's what God has chosen to do. But now I'd like you to turn your attention to Psalm 96, if you would, please. Because when you read this, you go, this had to come from the New Testament. No, it's in the, these things are in the New Testament, but they were first made known to us 
and to the nation of Israel long before Jesus Christ, long before the apostle, long before what we call missions took place. It says in Psalm 96, verse 1, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. And I'm going to emphasize those things. Verse 2, Sing to the Lord, bless His name, proclaim glad tidings of His salvation from day to day. Verse 3, Tell of His glory among the nations, His wonderful deeds among all the peoples. Notice what He said to Israel itself, the whole nation. He said, I want you to proclaim good tidings. If you were to translate that into Greek and then back into English, proclaim the gospel, the good news. He had already told Israel their job was to proclaim the good news. Did they have all the details that we have? The answer is no, they did not. Did they believe the Messiah was coming, the seed of Abraham? the one who was going to eternally sit on the throne of David and rule and reign from Jerusalem? They knew all of those things. Did they know about a suffering servant who would die for the sins and the iniquities of the people? The answer is they knew all of those things and a lot more. They knew the good news before it actually took place. They looked forward to that good news. In fact, is the sacrifices and the offerings and all the things from the Old Testament looked forward to Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And God made it clear to the nation of Israel, you are to tell the rest of the world. You're to proclaim good tidings or good news to the world about my salvation, my deliverance, the forgiveness of sins that I offer. That is your job as a nation. He said, tell it among them. In fact, is the, part of the sad thing is, you remember the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well? When Jesus came to her, he said, you worship what you don't know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Here's a woman who lived right next door to Jewish people, one boundary line away. She didn't understand that salvation came through the Jewish people, through Jesus Christ, ultimately, of course. But... She didn't understand that. She was still in ignorance. Israel, and my next point is Israel, didn't do its job. And in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, most of you probably know this passage, but it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, that is the good news, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, the Gentiles, those that were not Jewish. It had always been that way. Did that start with Jesus Christ? Did that start with the New Testament? The answer is no, it did not. It started back in the Old Testament. He said, that's what you're supposed to do. And if you follow through Psalm 96, for example, in verse 7, it says, Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people. Verse 9 says, Worship the Lord in holy attire. Tremble before Him all the earth. Verse 10 Say among the nations, again, he's telling them, give out the good news. The Lord reigns. Indeed, the world is firmly established. It will not be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. And then he ends in verse 13. Before the Lord, for he is coming, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and all the peoples 
in his faithfulness. God made it very clear to the Jewish people they have a task to do. What do we learn from that? Is they didn't do their task. And you know what? When they weren't doing what God asked them to do, all it caused was trouble. Instead of going forth and spending the effort and the time and the prayer and the faith it takes to go out of your comfort zone to take the gospel, they sat around and got idle, start worshiping idol gods, and God had to judge them. They became immoral. They became all kinds of things. You see, when you focus on doing what God has commanded us to do, you don't have a lot of time to sit around and, you know what, it's an idle brain and idle hands or, you know, the devil's tools. That's what Israel did. Instead of doing what they were supposed to do, they did the opposite. They focused on themselves. And unfortunately, the church as a whole today focuses on themselves and not on the task that's before us. We need to learn a lesson from Israel. We are commanded to make disciples of all nations. We are to go. We are to proclaim the gospel. And we're do, to do it with diligence and with love. They were all suppo- supposed to do it, but they didn't. And God, indeed, did judge them. How do we know about this? How do we know what their attitude was? Well, we have a book in the Old Testament that is the missionary book of the Old Testament. It's the book of Jonah. You may have never seen it this way before. But Jonah was told to go to the bad boys of the world of his day. The nation, not the nation, the city of Nineveh. Huge city. And they were known for their bloodthirstiness. Look them up in any dictionary or anything uh, Bible dictionary, doesn't matter where you look it up, you'll find Nineveh was just depraved and they were bad news. And Jonah said, no way, I am not going to them. I'm, not go- I'm just not going to do it. So he decides to take a boat ride in the other direction, and that's exactly what he did. He went with the Phoenician sailors to head to Tarshish, which was exactly the wrong direction. But God wasn't done with this negligent prophet. And we're going to see that he was not the only prophet that was told to proclaim the good news to the nations. But he is a good example for us. And so he decided to go and God judged him for not being willing to go to these pagan people. In fact, as as a part of that judgment, he got a submarine ride right up to the doorstep of Nineveh. And the whale threw him up, or the big fish, it really wasn't the whale, it was a big fish, threw him up, and there he is. Now, a lot of times, we say we would never give the gospel and talk about hell or talk about judgment or any of those things. We, we, we just, it's all love. Well, I agree, do it in love. Absolutely do it in love. But the truth is, Psalm 96, as well as everything else I know from the Bible, says God is a God who not only is loving and caring and has good news for us, but he will also judge us. Jonah goes into Nineveh, yet 40 days and Nineveh is going to be destroyed. You think, boy, that's not very loving. But here's what happened at the end. And if you go to, and you don't need to turn there because by the time you get there, I'll be gone. But in Jonah chapter 3, verse 5, it says this. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. 
See, Jonah finally, after God had to get his attention, get him awake, discipline him, he finally did what God asked the prophets of the Old Testament to do. He went to those nations. And in this case, it was Nineveh. And God did the work. And you know what happened? Now Jonah's mad at God because he saved them. They don't deserve this. Well, guess what? None of us deserve God's salvation and forgiveness. None of us deserve any of the good things God does for us. We simply don't. He's done it for us because he loves us. He allowed and gave the message to the Ninevites so they too could repent, so they too could believe God. The Jewish people had done what we sometimes don't like to admit, but do. See, the Jewish people looked at everyone other than a pure-blooded Jew as a dog, as an unclean person. I don't want anything to do with them. Remember the Samaritans? They were even half Jew. They wouldn't walk through their countryside. They would go on the other side of the Jordan River to go to the north. That's why when Jesus came to the Samaritan woman at the well, she was astounded. You're a man and you're a Jew and you talk to me? Instead of giving their neighbors the gospel, they avoided them. Let me tell you, look at yourself. I don't know your life, but look at yourself. Do you avoid certain people because they're bad news? I propose to you, just you're doing what Israel did. Oh, by the way, just in case you think I'm pointing fingers at you, I'll put my hand up first because I've done it too, and I'll probably do it again. But we tend to avoid those things that take us out of our comfort zone. And for Israel, it was out of their comfort zone. They were, you know, it's us. We're God's chosen people. We keep it to ourselves. Lots of Christians do that. And I propose to you that was never God's plan. It wasn't the plan for Israel, and it's not the plan for us. We are to take the gospel to those that need to hear the truth. Jonah being a good example of that. When we were singing one of those choruses, uh, we had First um, <clears throat> Chronicles chapter 16, uh, one part of a verse up there. Guess what? That is a repeat of Psalm 96. It says the same thing that God wants the gospel to be proclaimed to the world. In fact, is Psalm 67, verse 2 says, that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the peoples praise you. Let all the peoples praise you. God blesses us that the ends of the earth may fear him. Those things were written to Israel. I'm blessing you. You're my chosen people. And guess what? I have a job for you to do. I have a ministry for you. I have work for you to do. And that is that the ends of the earth may fear God. They may reverence Him. They may treat Him with the awe and respect that He deserves. But how does it come? Because His salvation is going to be made known to the, all the nations and among all the nations. But Israel did not do its job. Uh, in Isaiah <clears throat> chapter 49, starting at verse 1, uh, this is a passage that lots of people dispute. I'm just going to make it real simple and cut right through it. First of all, lack of time, and second of all, it'll bore you to death. But Isaiah uh, says this in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 1. 
Listen to me, O islands. By the way, Israel is not an island, so he has to be uh, referring somewhere other than Israel. And pay attention, you peoples from afar. The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named me. He made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me. He has made me a select arrow. He has hidden me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant, Israel, whom I will show my glory. And then he goes on to say a whole lot of other things, including verse 6. I will also make you a light of the nations, so my salvation may reach the end of the earth. So is he talking to Isaiah and saying, Isaiah, you are to be a prophet to the nations? The answer is yes. But he said, you're my servant Israel. Is he talking to the nation of Israel? The answer is yes. Is he talking, as the rest of the book of Isaiah talks about, the coming Messiah? The answer is yes. And if you ask me, is he talking about the apostles and those in the New Testament? The answer would be yes. Because in Acts chapter 13, this passage is quoted. And I'd like you to just listen to me for a couple of seconds here as I read through Acts chapter 13, beginning at verse 44. It says, The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. This is Paul and Barnabas. Verse 45, But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and said, It is necessary that the word of spoken first, that is to the Jewish people, but since you repudiate it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. Ooh, a novel idea. But it wasn't a new one, because guess what they do? They now quote from the Old Testament, verse 47, For so the Lord has commanded us, So they made it personal to themselves, but it wasn't original to them. I have placed you as a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That wasn't just to the apostles in the book of Acts. It had already been given to the nation of Israel. It had been given to the prophets of Israel. It had been given long before them, but it hadn't been carried out. And verse 48 and 49 says this, And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord began spreading throughout the whole region. Jews and Gentiles. Here's what happened. The Gentiles go, Wow! We get to participate in the salvation provided by Jesus Christ, the Messiah. What what Israel has known all along, we get to participate It was news to them. They hadn't heard this before. They were dogs. They were scum. They were unclean. And God had always made it clear. While Israel was his focus, they were blessed so they could turn around and bless the other nations. And they're rejoicing. It gives you an insight into the the attitude of that day. Even Jeremiah We usually quote this when we talk about abortion, but this is what Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 says. Now the word of the Lord came to me, that's Jeremiah, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you 
and then we stop right there. And that's great. That's, that's a great verse to use, a great passage to use when you're talking about abortion. But it doesn't end there. It says, I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. Isaiah, Jonah, Jeremiah, all three of them, without a doubt, biblically, were appointed to take the truth of God's salvation to the nations. They didn't do it. Finally, the apostles, after they had been with the Lord for three years, and they began their ministry with the full power of the Holy Spirit, now began to turn to the Gentiles. Finally, what should have been happening all along is finally happening. We continue that today. Are we doing a great job? The answer is, I don't think we are. As a local assembly, I think we do a decent job. I think we can do a whole lot more. The church as a whole, lousy. Do a search and find out how much of what the church has and what is given goes to missions. You're going to find out it's pathetic as a whole. They just don't care. They want to make sure they're comfortable here in their walls and, well, we might reach out to the community just a little bit here and there. Praise the Lord, I, I don't think I'd be a part of this church if we didn't reach our community. I wouldn't be a part of this church if we didn't make a concentrated effort to reach the ends of the world. Because that's what we're supposed to do. Why do I know that? Well, the New Testament commands me to do that. But guess what? I can learn from Israel. If I sit here and become self-centered, I'm going to get in trouble. See, every time I give the gospel, I don't know about you, but I'm shaking in my boots. Dave, when you gave the gospel yesterday, were you nervous? You were nervous. There was no doubt about it. Dave's never nervous, but he was nervous yesterday. You know what? Because it's serious business, folks. It really is. It's not easy. It wasn't easy for Israel. It's not easy for me, and it's probably not easy for you. But that's what God has asked us to do. To bring this to an end, it tells us as the apostles went on, in Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 4, it says this. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you that all, all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands before you in good health. He, that man that was crucified, Jesus Christ, is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is no salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which... We must be saved. Verse 11, right there in the middle, simply is a quote from the Old Testament. They already knew about the chief cornerstone. They knew the one who was the stone that would be rejected. They knew all of those things, but they kept it to themselves. And they didn't even apply it to themselves. In fact, as, as you saw earlier, they said, hey, you, you don't consider yourselves worthy of what God has done for you, so we're going to turn to the Gentiles. Folks, today we have a responsibility to Jews and Gentiles, to young people, to our children, as well as those that are aged. 
to those that have everything and those who have almost nothing. We have a responsibility. Let's not be like Israel. I hope it's a challenge to you. And I hope it's an encouragement to you that you can be a part of a local assembly that indeed does reach out, that we do make an effort to do that, that we ask God to help us to do that. And I pray that we would always do that because we need to see what Israel didn't do and do what they refused to do. We need to take the gospel to the world. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. Father.